The Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gam Podcast and Eric presented by Bird Dog Shorts. Dominate summer with an amazing pair of shorts and a free Yeti-style tumbler when you order over at birddogs.com slash pool. That's birddogs.com slash pool. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gam Podcast Network. It is currently Monday evening, June 19th, and I'm host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode. We have two tournaments to preview in the grass court season. We have the Queen's Club in London, and we also have Halle in Germany. So we'll be going through those two tournaments with the outrights, the quarter predictions, etc. But before we get into any of that, do want to discuss how we did on the last episode, which was the championship match preview episode in Stuttgart and Denbosch, and we had a great episode. Uh, for the second straight episode, we swept our lock and dog picks. For the lock on the show, we had Greek Sport on the money line against Thompson, and that ended up being a winner. Wasn't easy, went three sets, but eventually Greek Sport broke through and won himself an ATP title, so nice uh, job by him closing the deal, and we picked up a nice lock winner there. And for the dog, had the Tiafo and Struff match in Stuttgart over two and a half sets at plus 120, and that got there. Uh, you had Struff winning the first set, then Tiafo won the second set in a tiebreaker, and eventually the third set in a tiebreaker. So overall, ended up sweeping. The lock and dog picks, always nice when that happens. However, it did end up costing us a little bit in the grand scheme of things, because we did have Struff to win Stuttgart at 25-1, to 1, and unfortunately for us, he did have a match point in the third set tiebreaker, could not convert, and Tiafo won the title a couple of points later. So even though we did end up winning the lock and dog picks, and even though we did pick Tiafo to win in our lean section there in the last episode, we still had 25 to 1 on Stroof, and I did encourage people to hedge, so hopefully you ended up cashing basically a 12 to 1 outright if you ended up hedging. But still, anytime you have match point in the final, with a 25 to 1 shot and he loses, it's a heartbreaker. So it would have been a lot cooler if Struff ended up beating Tiafo and we would have had an even bigger victory lap. But unfortunately, Tiafo got it done in three sets. But luckily for us, for the actual picks section, we ended up having the over two and a half sets. So that final set did not matter. But either way, ended up sweeping again for the second straight episode. Hopefully, we'll make it uh, three straight here in the Monday show. But before I actually get into any of the two tournament previews, I do want to also touch upon some other news taking place in uh, men's tennis. And it's actually not going to be in the ATP level at all is going to be in the challenger section because I mentioned it a couple of times uh, with Nishikori making his return and he officially won a title. So congratulations to Nishikori, his first tournament back in a long time, and he was able to run through the challenger level. And I think he only dropped one set in the entire tournament to Kruger. So overall, he was dominant and he ended up winning in straight sets in the champion in the final. So congrats to Nishikori for getting the job done there. Proud of him, and hopefully he'll be able to stay healthy and make a push for the U.S. Open main draw, and we'll see what happens. I'm assuming he'll be a serious threat in qualifying, but either way, the point is Nishikori is back to his winning ways, and it is nice to see him succeeding on the tour, or even just being on the tour in the first place with all the injuries he's had. But that's one of the brief pieces of news I want to talk about. The other piece was one of the matches that actually happened on Monday morning on the women's side, the impossible has happened. 
Venus Williams won a tennis match. Congratulations to her. Ended up beating Georgie in three sets. It was a three-plus-hour match there on grass. But, yeah, Venus has had a disastrous uh, past couple of years. I'm sh- Truth is, I think it's ridiculous she hasn't retired yet, and I think it's kind of odd, or I think it's definitely unlikely that Serena would have been the one to officially retire first. But Venus, either way, has been a mess for the last couple of years on tour, but she did end up having a very nice win against Georgie. Props to her. She was a massive underdog. I think she was around 4-1 to one or 5-1, to one, but she got it done. Even kind of messed up her knee a little bit early in that match and still pushed through. So congrats to Venus for getting a win there in her match against Georgie. I was shocked personally, but either, either way, those are the two pieces of news that I at least wanted to mention before we, we move into the actual uh, tournament previews. So starting off with the actual, uh, I'd say, schedule for this episode... We're going to go once again, based on chronological order, for the matches that are taking place on the Tuesday schedule. So because of that, that's going to be the tiebreaker determining which tournament we cover first. And it's going to be Hala, because Hala is going to be starting its matches at around 6 a.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday. And you're looking at Queens Club, they are starting at roughly 7. So based on the one-hour time difference, it is time for us to jump back to Germany and to look at Hala and to look at the history of this event in the Hala Open. It is basically the Federer Invitational because Federer won this tournament 10 times, including in 2019. Now, of course, he is retired, so anybody could win at this point. And to go through the recent winners, you had Hercatch winning last year against Medvedev in the final. Year before that, you had Umber beating Rublev in the final. It was not held in 2020 because of COVID. Uh, Federer won in 2019. George won in 2018. Federer won in 2017. Florian Meyer actually won it in 2016. Uh, you have uh, Federer again, Federer again, Federer again. Tommy Haas, Cole Schreiber. Yeah, a lot of names from the past. So if you want to take a stroll down memory lane, take a look at who actually made the final and who even just actually uh, made deep runs in general in this event. You had Yuzny making the final here in 2013. Uh, Fala, former Colombian player, uh, ended up making the final in 2014. A lot of guys uh, who are no longer on tour. But either way, point is, it does seem like if you want to draw some conclusions here, her catch, a good serve. Umber, unique serve there as a lefty. Uh, Federer, good serve. Chorich, okay serve. Not amazing, but still pretty above average. Uh, you have Federer, once again, great serve. Florian Meyer, who was pretty much a solid server, and that was the main, I'd say, threat that he had. It was that in the forehand, but still, it does seem like if you have a good serve, it definitely helps. It's not an automatic requirement, but I do think it's definitely worth at least mentioning that, like most grass tournaments, if you do have a good serve, that is going to help you in this tournament. But anyway, to get into the actual odds here for the tournament outrights, I'm going to read off the outright odds uh, just for the first couple of guys, and then I'll get into the actual quarters. Then we'll go back. Uh, so that's going to be the plan for this uh, futures preview here. We're, Medvedev's the favorite at plus 275, and he ended up beating Giron in his match on Monday. Sitsipas is at plus 550. Uh, he ended up beating Bereri in three sets in the first round. Sinner's at 6-1. to one. Her catch is 7-1. to one. Zverev is 8-1. to one. Rublev is 9-1. to one. I'll cut it off there, and then we'll move into the actual quarter draws and get back there. So for starters, the first quarter... 
Medvedev is minus 175. Nakashima is plus 275. Batista Gut is 7 to 1. Dejir is 12 to 1. And Altmaier is 18 to 1. For starters, Nakashima, I know he's decent on grass. I'm not picking him. Just simply put, I don't think there's much, I don't think there's enough value because he's not only going up against uh, Medvedev, who is one of the best players on tour. I know Medvedev screwed us in the outrights last episode, but or last uh, Futures episode, but still, Nakashima's been good. I don't think he's ready to beat Medvedev, and I do think Batista Gut has, in my opinion, a better chance of actually winning the quarter than Nakashima for the price points. At 7-1, I think Batista Gut's tempting. I once again think Medvedev's going to win the quarter at minus 175, but Nakashima... I'm not sold on the price. Dejir, I'm interested in a 12 to 1. He's been better on grass this year, but he's still not a good grass player in his career. Altmaier ended up having some injury issues. I think he withdrew or retired from his previous tournament and then entered this one. I know he's in his home country again, but to be honest, I really don't care. Batista Gut is minus 250 against Altmaier in the next round. So I don't really see Altmaier having much of a chance here. He's entering as a lucky loser. Uh, so. He retired against... I'm just making sure I got this right. He retired... Okay, so he lost in Stuttgart to O'Connell. He got buried. Then he ended up not showing up for the doubles match in Stuttgart. Then he retired in qualifying against Eubanks, and he got rewarded with a spot even though he retired. That doesn't make any sense. Like That's just an insane spot there. If you retire in the middle of a, qualif of a qualifying match... You should be disqualified from actually getting a lucky loser draw. You should just be eliminated entirely. But anyway, I wanted to mention that, that Altmaier has a weird spot where he retired in his qualifying match in the middle of the second set. It was actually on serve in the second set. And yet he got rewarded with a lucky loser draw in the main event, which does with main draw, which makes no sense. But anyway, point is I'm not taking Altmaier because I think you, I think that Batista Gut's going to beat him. So if you're looking at, what I think makes a lot of sense in terms of overall value, Batista Good at seven to one, I think, is appealing. Is he going to win the quarter? Probably not. I know Batista Good historically has had pretty good success against Medvedev, I believe. Let me just quickly pull that up. I'm pretty sure he's got a winning record against Medvedev. So I do think, once again, if you're looking for a potential long shot in the quarter. Maybe you're not sold by how Medvedev's played recently. Giron's not a great grass player, but the point is, I do think Medvedev can be vulnerable at times. Batista Gut, by the way, is 4-2 head-to-head -head against Medvedev, and they faced off on grass twice. They faced off in Hala in 2022. Medvedev won in straight sets, but they faced off in Mallorca later that same year, and Batista Gut won 6-3-6-2. So they did face off last year in this event, and Medvedev won comfortably. But the point is, Batista Gut has had success, and I think he will be able to beat Altmaier. So I think because of that, I have to at least consider Batista, uh, Batista Gut as a flyer to win the quarter. Now, the problem that you have here is the fact that he has not played since the French Open. So he might be a little bit rusty on grass, but Altmaier is not good on grass. So I guess that's the trade-off. But for the sake of the outrights in the first quarter, Ian Halla, I got to go with Medvedev at minus 175. I think it's a pretty weak quarter in general. And I also have to go with Batista Gut at plus 700. Moving into the second quarter, this is supposed to be an absolute gauntlet, and I can't really disagree 
You have Rublev at plus 187. You have Hercatch at 2-1. to one. You have Greek Spore at plus 333. You have Hoffman at 5-1. to one. Yibbing at 16-1. to one. Uh, Eubanks at 16-1. to one. And I'm not going to bother with the others. So starting off with the actual draw here for Rublev. Overall, it is definitely not that bad. Now, Yibbing can potentially give him problems in the first round. I think Rublev will get through it. But if Yibbing's uh, forehand is able to really just remain consistent. I do think Gibbing's got a shot here. Phenomenal match if you enjoy watching powerful forehands. That's going to be a lot of fun seeing Rublev and Yibbing kind of take turns just ripping forehands at 90-plus miles an hour. But the winner of that would face off against either uh, Hoffman or a German qualifier. So I'm assuming Hoffman because Hoffman's been playing good tennis this year. Uh, but I think Rublev should get by both those guys. Uh, other than that, though, you have Greek Spore who just won a title who is taking on uh, Baina, and then you have Eubanks against Hercatch. I think I have to like Hercatch in that section. Hercatch wasn't bad in the last tournament in Stuttgart. He just ran into Struff, and Struff ended up beating him in three sets. But the point is, I do think that Hercatch has a solid game that translates well to this event. So much so, he won the event last year. So Hercatch is the defending champion, and I do think when you're looking at the price point here for him to win his quarter at plus 200, and he gets to avoid Rublev until the potential quarterfinals. That is pretty appealing for me. So I am going to go with Hercatch here. I do think that he's got value at plus 200. And once again, Eubanks is a guy who I think is fine. I don't think he's an amazing player. Probably some tie breaks that are destined to happen in that match. But I do think once again, with Greek Spore being potentially fatigued after having to go to three sets in the final in his home country to win. He had a couple of long matches, but it was mostly him playing a full tournament with a no time off, and he has to play in the first round of this event. I do think that's going to help out uh, his opponents in his section a lot. Now, Bain is not good on grass, so I still think Greek Spore will find a way to win that one. But I do think Hercatch will beat him, and I do think that Hercatch has a chance to face off against either Rublev, Wu, or Hoffman. You'd assume it would be Rublev, but I do think maybe you can see Hoffman put together some work in his home country. We saw it with Struff last week, but I think Rublev probably gets through. But if I had to pick a guy who I think can make some noise in this quarter without picking the favorite here, I think it would be her catch. If you want to take the flyer on Hoffman, that's five to one, but I'm not going to do so. So moving on. So I only have one pick there for the second quarter. Third quarter is going to be Sinner at plus 150, Sonigo at plus 375, Struff at plus 450, Bublik at six to one, Chorich at seven to one, Karatsev at eleven to one, who was actually swapping in for Kyrios, who got injured, uh, or at least his knee wasn't cooperating, and he ended up dropping. You have Gasquet at twenty-two to one, and you have basically that. That's it. I mean, I'm not going to make a case for uh, Safulin. I, I might have butchered that pronunciation, but you get the point. So, looking at the actual draw here uh, in this section. Sinner should be the favorite, obviously. I know we didn't take him last time. Now, in, in that last tournament, because we just weren't sold on uh, potentially making the transition over to grass, and his form was a bit iffy with his health, so we stayed away. Now, his first-round match is against Gasquet. Now, Sinner's had success against Gasquet in their careers, but Gasquet did beat Tsitsipas on grass last week. I know Tsitsipas isn't the greatest on grass, but the point is Gasquet can give players problems if... They are not fully, you know, having their best day. And I think Sinner could be in a bit of trouble in this match. Now, am I picking Gasquet to win? 
No, I didn't say that, but I can see this going three sets. I think it might be a bit closer than people think. I am going to pick Sinner, though, uh, to win this match and to definitely get through his section. No offense to Karatsev and Sunigo, but I think Sinner's better than both guys. So I think Gasquet might give him an early scare in the first round, but I do think when you're looking at the overall uh, quarter here, I think Sinner's got to be the play just because of how limited the actual talent is in this section. And you're looking at Chorich, who's... Pretty good on grass. Pretty solid player in general. Bublik's a head case, but he's good on grass. So maybe George gets upset there. The point is, I think that's a pretty intriguing first-round match. Then you have Struff, uh facing off against the winner of Bublik and Chorich. Once again, no offense to uh, Sifulin, but I'm picking Struff to beat him. It's just, the, it's just the way it is. Now, if I had to go with a potential long shot here, it would be Struff at plus 450. The problem is, though, we just made a final. And like Greek Spore, he doesn't have any time off. So you can argue that fatigue's going to be a problem for Struff. I'm really not going to disagree with you there. 450 is intriguing, but once again, I kind of want that price to be a bit higher because of the fatigue angle. So I think I'm just going to go with Sinner. He lost early on in the last tournament. Now he's able to, you know, maybe build on that experience and get more accustomed to grass because he did end up playing a match or two on grass to make that transition. But I think plus 150 is a good price when you look at how weak the overall quarter is. And you're going to have Struff and Bublik and Chorich kill each other. So I do think that's going to open up some opportunities for Sinner. Now, once again, if Gasquet sneaks up on him and beats him in the first round... That'd be a heartbreaker, but I got to go based on what I've seen with those with those players, and I think that Sinner is just better than Gasquet. He's got too much firepower, and I do think you'll see some moments where Gasquet can maybe win a set, but I think that Sinner gets it done, and I think that Sinner at the end of this overall quarter is just too talented. So give me Sinner at plus 150 to win the quarter. Gasquet 22-1 to 1 is fun. Once again, it's difficult because you got to face off against Sinner first, but I mean, I don't totally hate it at 22 to 1. I, I think that you can make an argument that there are worse super long shots to take. Is it going to win? Probably not. I'm just going to be straightforward with you. But if you want to look at the head tape here, they faced off one time in hard court or on hard court earlier this year in Indian Wells. Sinner did win, but it was 6 3 7 6. So it was somewhat competitive. But Sinner has not exactly been in the greatest of form lately. Got buried by Rusevori in Denbosch. Meanwhile, you had Gasquet who beat Eubanks, beat Tsitsipas, and lost to Struff. Competitive match against Struff, though, no shame in that. I might actually make a take a flyer here on Gasquet at 22-1. to 1. Once again, it's to win the quarter. You don't have to actually win anything else of significance. But when you're looking at who else is in the immediate section, and you're going to let Sonigo and Struff and Bublik and Chorich all... Uh, not Sonigo, sorry. You're going to let Struff, Bublik, and Chorich all kill each other. You can really make an argument that if Gasquet gets past him, could he beat Sonigo? I can see it, but I think that it could be an opening there. So, you know what? I will take a spin there with Gasquet. Very, very small amount. Most of the, I say, quarter breakdown in terms of money is going to be on center for the third quarter. But I am kind of tempted by Gasquet at 22 to 1 as a super long shot. And the fourth quarter, you have Sitsipas at plus 137, Zverev at plus 225, Shapo at plus 300, Jari at plus 600, and Team at 40 to 1. So, first things first, Team, no chance in hell. Even when he was healthy, he was never good on grass. So I'm not going to bother with him. Now, Jari's intriguing. Doesn't exactly have much grass background. He was able to beat Mutet in straight sets in on Monday's card. And I wasn't totally shocked about that one because Mutet is 
a crafty player, but Jari's got the firepower. Now, since he paused, there's a 0% chance I'm going to back. He went to three sets against Barreri. He lost to Gasquet in the last tournament he was in. No chance I'm taking him at plus 137. So now you're looking at three potential names. You have Zverev at plus 225, you have Shapo at plus 300, and you have Jari at 6-1. to one. So starting off with the overall path for this setup, you have Jari taking on Tsitsipas. I think Jari's quite live to win that match, to be honest with you. I think that that's going to be a lot of fun. Now, Zverev's taking on team. I'm assuming Zverev's going to win. Team's been a disaster. Not even just by my standards of criticizing him for months for not even being that great on the ATP level. He can't even win challenger matches now. He's gotten killed in challengers the last couple of weeks. He lost to Martinez. He lost to, I think it was Travaglia who beat him. And those that was clay. That was team's best surface. He can't win a match. So I think that Zverev's going to be able to beat him in uh, his home country here in the first round. Now, Shapo did beat Lloyd Harris. Harris has had a bit of a comeback there uh, with his own injuries, and he's been okay. I know he gave Zverev some problems in the French Open. He didn't win a set, but he was close to winning a couple of sets there, and he gave Shapo a bit of a run there, but eventually lost 7-6-6-4. Shapo, I think, is a good player, and he's good on grass, don't get me wrong, but I can't handle the unforced errors. I just think that the unforced errors are going to give him problems, and I can't trust him because of it. So I do think, once again, if I had to go based on where I think the value lies, I think there's value on Jari, and I think there's value on Zverev. My main lean would be Zverev, because I'll let uh, Sitsipas and Jari kill each other. But I think Zverev indirectly has a buy in the first round on that low on, Zver- on team's current form. And even though I have roasted Zverev for you know, struggling at times and being overvalued, I know he got buried by Rude in the French Open semis, at least he made the semis in the French Open, and he's had moments where he's been solid. I don't think he's as good as he was pre-injury, obviously, but he's still been good, and I do think that, once again, he can make a deep run in his home country. His best service, in my opinion, is clay, but I think he's pretty solid on grass, and I do think, once again, you're looking at a pretty open field. Give me Zverev at plus 225 to win the quarter, and give me Jari at plus 600. So once again, uh, my picks for the quarters here, Medvedev at minus 175, and Batista Gut at plus 700 for the first quarter. Second quarter, give me her catch at plus 200. I don't really have much else there. If you want to take a flyer on Hoffman, I don't hate it, but I'm not going to do it. Third quarter, give me Sinner at plus 150, and give me Gasquet at 22 to 1. And fourth quarter, give me Jari at plus 600, and give me Zverev at plus 225. That's going to wrap it up for the quarter section of Hala. Now it's time for the actual outrights here. So to go through the odds, once again, Medvedev plus 275, Sitsipas plus 550, toss him out. I said I'm not picking him to win his quarter. Uh, I think that it's insane that Sitsipas has lower odds than some of the other guys here. The argument is he already won a round. I don't care. Uh, he has not been good. He might be distracted by Badoza, who is dating at the current at this point in time. Either way, I'm not picking Cincy Paz under any circumstances. You have Sinner at six to one, Hercatch at seven to one, Zverev at eight to one, uh, Rublev at nine to one, Struff at fourteen to one, and a couple of guys I'm not tempted by. If you want to take some flyers here, Jari at twenty eight to one, I think is interesting. Once again, not the greatest grass player, but he has a big serve and he can kind of follow the same script that Struff followed last week, which is hit with a lot of power, uh, come forward with the net, 
hit your volleys. And Jar is a pretty good volleyer, and he's got a chance to potentially win another ATP title this season. But 28 to 1, I actually like that price a lot for Jari. That feels a bit disrespectful for a guy that has already won two ATP titles this season. I know it was on clay, but still. Point is, I do like his current form. So for the actual tournament, Medvedev, I'm not taking. Now, I know the argument is he's the best player in the field. You're just being biased because of what happened last week. Not really. I just don't trust Medvedev enough at plus 275. I understand the argument, but I do think, once again, when you lose to Manorino on grass last week, it means you might be a little bit overvalued. So I think that Medvedev should be closer to like plus 350, maybe plus 375. But 275, I can't take. I'm not going to take that. Now, as for... Sitsi Paz, that's a pass. Now, Sinner is interesting. At 6-1, to one, though, I don't think I really like that price, but I, I don't really feel great about that price, to be honest. I just think that when you're looking at Sinner's form, I'm picking him to win the quarter because I don't really like his quarter, but he really has not played great tennis recently, and that does kind of concern me. But I do think if I'm looking at some guys that I would consider taking here, I can't believe I'm going to do it, but I think I'm actually going to make a case for Zverev here because I actually do really like his draw, and it is his home country. And we saw last week, you saw uh, Greek Spore win in his home country on grass, and you saw Struff make a final, a bit of a Cinderella run there in his home country. I think Zverev could be in line for a deep run here. I know I might regret my, I might regret it here. And at least it's not Dimitrov. I haven't totally lost my mind. But I am going to make a case for her catch as well, who's the defending champion. And I do think at 7-1 for the defending champion, that is a pretty solid opportunity there. So give me her catch at 7-1. Give me Zverev at 8-1. And I'm not going to make a case for Batista Gut. I think that you can make an argument once again. He's got a shot to win the quarter. But I have concerns about his overall stamina at this stage in his career. I will take Jari at 28 to 1. I know he's got a matchup against Sitipas up next, but once again, Sitipas does not look good. And with Gasquet and Barreri taking him to the brink, Jari can win a couple breakers just by serving extremely well. And Zverev has a lot of, uh, not Zverev, sorry, Sitipas has a lot of unforced errors, which could be his undoing here. But it's mostly just fading Sitipas, who has not looked good whatsoever uh, for the last couple of months at this point. So, or weeks, I should say. Technically, yeah, give or take weeks, maybe a month or two, but still. I think for the sake of this tournament, I wouldn't consider taking a center, but six to one feels a little bit too short for me. I think I'd rather take him at like seven to one or eight to one, but unfortunately, I can't do that. So give me her catch at seven to one. Give me Zverev at eight to one, and give me uh, once again Jari at twenty eight to one. Let me just quickly shop around to see if I could find a better price there uh, for any of those guys. Okay, so just to update the prices here. Uh, Zverev, I still see it eight to one, so I'm going to take that. I'm going to take her catch at nine to one, so we upgraded there, and I see Jari still at twenty-eight to one. All right, so the updated outrights to win. Sorry, uh, I've got the updated odds now. Zverev is eight to one. Her catch is nine to one. I really do like her catch at nine to one. Defending champion at nine to one, I think it's a hell of a deal. And I will take Jari at twenty-eight to one as my super long shot. But anyway, moving on to the next tournament, which will be in Queens. Uh, I should say uh, in London, in theory, but you get my point. Uh, so to go through the actual outrights here once again, going to do the same exact thing as last time, go through a couple of the odds, and then transition over uh, into the quarters. But for the Queen's Club in London, you have Alcaraz as the favorite at plus 225. Fritz is at plus 550. Norrie's plus 750. Diminor is 11 to 1. Murray is 12 to 1. 
Murray's been kind of cleaning up some challenger levels, but I'm a uh, challenger grass events, but I'm not sure if he's fully ready uh, for this, but we'll see what happens. Uh, you have Tiafo at 14 to 1, who's going to be potentially exhausted after winning a title there last week. Dimitrov at 14 to 1, Rune at 16 to 1, Musetti at 20 to 1, Shelton at 22 to 1, Sarundolo at 25 to 1, Rusevori at 28 to 1, and I'm not going to waste any more time there. If you want a fun long shot that I'm not actually going to take, but if you want to have some fun with it, uh, maybe you can make a case for Rayonich, but I'm not going to do it. So, anyway, uh, to look at the actual. Uh, quarters for this tournament. We're going to start off with the... Sorry, just quickly pulling up the quarters here. Uh, apologies, I just got to uh, switch the market. Okay, so first quarter here, Alcaraz is minus 138. Dimitrov is plus 333. Rusevori is plus 600. Fakina is 10 to 1. You get my point. Now, for this quarter, I understand why Alcaraz is pretty cheap. It's because he's not that experienced on grass and he even made comments about it in the last couple of days, where he basically said that Djokovic has a massive advantage on grass against them because Alcaraz has barely played on grass, and he kept bringing it up. Now, luckily for him, Djokovic is not in this tournament, so Alcaraz can still beat up on some of the weaker competition, but he has not exactly been a great grass player in his career, and he's barely played it. He had that fun match against uh, Sinner in Wimbledon, which I believe he lost in four sets, and he also had a fun five-setter against Struff earlier in that same tournament. But the point is, Alcaraz is still a good player. He's still a top-five player in the world, and even it, top five. I'm, I'm, he's top two. I mean, what am I talking about? He's top two in the world. Djokovic is one. He's two. But still, the point is, Alcaraz, you know when... He is dialed in. He's better than everybody else. And I do think, or most of the time. So I think that Alcaraz at minus 138 is a very nice price for, once again, a top two player in the world. And even though his emotions got the better of him in the French Open semis because of the insane atmosphere against Djokovic and a Grand Slam, I get all that. That's not the case here. This is a tournament in Queens in Queens in London. So once again, I do think you're looking at a spot where Alcaraz has a great price at minus 138, and I'm going to have to take that. Now, Dimitrov is good on grass, so you can make an argument that maybe he's in line for a decent showing here, but he's against Rusevori in the first round. We saw Rusevori beat center, so I'm not interested. I think that's going to be a difficult match there, but... Alcaraz has Phils followed by Leshika or Fakina. Fakina is underrated on grass, but I do think that Alcaraz will be able to beat both guys. So give me Alcaraz a minus 138 to win that quarter. Now, moving into the second quarter, I'm not picking anybody else, by the way. Just give me Alcaraz a minus 138. It's a great price, and I'll end it there. Now, moving into the second quarter, you have Cam Nori at plus 125, who had a straight set win against Kekmanovich. On Monday, you have Korda at plus six, uh, plus uh, two hundred and sixty, who also won yesterday. Uh, won uh, on Monday. Tiafos at plus three hundred and thirty-three. You have Rayonich at plus eight hundred and fifty. Thompson at ten to one, and Zanschulp at twelve to one. Now Nori, I think, is going to win the quarter. Now the problem here is the price isn't that great, but he's still a good grass player, and he also is the home country guy because this is taking place in the UK. Now Korda did look good in his match on Monday. But he just has not played enough tennis for me to actually trust him. Korda, with the wrist injury that he's had and just the lack of reps he's played in the last few months, I don't think I can really take him here. I just think when you're looking at a spot where Korda is a very talented player, but he has not had enough sample size back from injury, I don't think I can take him. So I'm going to skip 
Corda, I think that price should be higher, in my opinion. Now, if he's on, he could win the quarter, but I'll take my chances. Now, Tiafo and Thompson are the interesting ones because both of them played a final on Sunday, and now suddenly they're back in action here in the overall uh, Tuesday card. So they might be exhausted, so we'll see what happens. Now, Thompson has a rematch against Raonic, and Thompson beat him in straight sets in the previous event. So maybe Raonic can get some revenge. We'll see. I doubt it, but, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, I typically fade the guys that just played a final on the on Sunday or the previous weekend that have an immediate turnaround for a brand-new tournament. That's usually a pretty solid spot to fade guys and pick up some nice plus prices. But I think I'm going to stay away from those two. Tiafo, I do think I like more than than Thompson because Thompson's a challenger level guy who had a pretty easy draw and had a chance there and didn't convert but to win the event. But I do think if I was going to go with two options to win the quarter, I think I am going to go with Tiafo. Does Ann show up at 12 to 1 is interesting? It, once again, if you think that Tiafo is going to struggle physically, but give me Nori a plus 125. And give me Tiafo at plus three thirty-three. At the end of the day, I think Tiafo is too talented on grass to be that big of a price. So give me plus three thirty-three. And if he ends up withdrawing and doesn't play a match, we get our money back. But anyway, to get into the third quarter, you have Fritz at plus one ten, Diminor at plus three thirty-three. Uh, you have Murray at four to one, Schwartzman at six to one, Manorino at seven to one, Brody at twenty to one, and Zapata Marias at one hundred to one. Tells you how bad Zapata Marias is on grass. But anyway, Fritz is the favorite because of ranking. Based on recent form, there is no chance I take Fritz. I have not been impressed. I think he's been okay, not amazing. And I think that this is actually a pretty underratedly difficult quarter. Now, the problem you run into is that the guy that I'm tempted by, the one that I kind of want to take, is Murray to win the quarter. And he plays Diminor in the first round. And Diminor is actually 4-0 lifetime against Murray. Now, none of them are on grass, which is worth mentioning. And Murray has won 10 straight matches in the challenger level, winning back-to-back grass challenger titles. So you're looking at Diminor. And he has played uh, two matches on grass so far in the single side. He beat Dejir in three sets and lost to Greek Sport in three. So a couple of long matches, but he has not exactly played great tennis. Uh, I do think th- that Murray is worth a shot here at around four to one. And you know that I'm anti-Murray for the most part, because I've never been a big fan of his game. I know that he's extremely talented, but it was kind of boring growing up. And once again, I think that he whines all the time after every point. So I've never been a big Murray guy, but I do think in this section, it's actually not that bad. Now, the problem is, once again, Diminor is in his way in the first matchup, which is extremely difficult. But I think when you're looking at what you can potentially expect to see, it's another war. Murray's been good in three set matches all year long, or I should say deciding set matches all year long. But Schwartzman beat McDonald. I think that Murray is in line to beat Schwartzman if they face off. Diminor might beat Schwartzman as well, so we'll see what happens. But Fritz has a pretty easy path, if I'm being honest, uh, into the quarters because he has a matchup against uh, Zapata Marais, who he's going to bury. And then he has a matchup against probably Manorino. I'm not a big Brody guy. I think Manorino could actually give Fritz some problems because of how unique Manorino's style of play is. We saw him give Medvedev problems, and he even beat Medvedev in the last tournament. 7-1, to one, I actually don't mind. I might take a flyer on that at 7-1. to one. Uh, just because of the fact that you have Fritz, uh, who, once again, has not played in great form. But you have Diminor and Murray and Schwartzman 
I know Schwartzman hasn't been great this year. Look good against McDonald, though, in his first matchup in this tournament. But you'll see those guys kill each other. And Manorino could be on the other side, making a solid path for himself if he's able to get through Fritz. But Manorino's first-round matches against Brody once again. I'm not a big Brody guy. So I think I will take a spin there with Manorino. So even though Diminor could beat Murray, and I wouldn't be totally shocked, I do like the value on Murray at 4-1. to one. So give me Murray at 4-1 to one and give me Manorino at 7-1. to one, And those will be my plays for the third quarter. And for the fourth quarter, we're going to look at Rune is the favorite at plus 162. Musetti is at plus 210. Cressy is plus 400. Shelton is plus 450. And Peniston is 11-1. Peniston's the local angle. If you want to make a case, uh, now he did end up beating Rude last year on grass, but Rude is a terrible grass player, which means nothing to me. But Peniston is a pretty decent grass player for the most part, but I don't think he's actually an amazing player in terms of talent by any means. Did beat him bare comfortably, but I'm hoping Peniston can give Rune a pro- some problems. Cressy maybe can give Rune problems, but Cressy's double faulting has been so bad that I can't exactly trust Cressy to hold because, once again, he can't keep the second serve in play. And I think that with that being the case, I can't really make a case uh, for Rune or Cressy in the spot. The problem here is that the two guys I'm tempted by are going to face off against each other because I'm looking at Musetti and I'm looking at Shelton. And when they play against each other, they're going to have some problems because you're going to automatically eliminate one of your two guys. But I really do like the price. Rune has never been known to be a great grass player. And facing off against Cressy in the first round isn't the greatest matchup. Now, Cressy has a great serve, so you can make an argument. If the serve is on, then maybe he'll be able to make a somewhat deep run here. The problem that you run into, though, is the fact that he's been so bad over the past couple of weeks or months that I can't trust him. So I think for this one, I'm going to have to bite the bullet and accept the fact that my two outrights in this quarter are playing against each other in the next round. But give me Musetti at plus 210. I really like how he's played. Just simply put, I know he's mostly known as being a clay guy, but if you've watched him play the last week or two, he's been solid. And Tiafo won the event last week, and Musetti had him on the ropes. That went to a final set. I believe it was a final set tiebreak in that one. So Musetti has played very good tennis. He had basically a bye in the first round, but I do like his current form. So you're looking at a spot where I just think that Musetti has a good price available for him in what could be an open quarter. And I do think when you're looking at the other options here, Shelton at plus 450 beat Wolfen straight sets in the matchup on Monday, but it's mostly the serve. His serve is so good that he can easily stack up some tiebreak wins. And if you go through the history of the event, which is going to segue me back to the overall tournament winning outrights, you a lot of good servers here. And to go through them here, uh, in the past in uh, London, you have had a fair share of good servers, like I said before. Uh, you had Berrettini winning each of the last two years, uh, who is, of course, a good server, not held in 2020. Feliciano Lopez won in 2019. He's got a pretty decent serve, or at least an underrated serve, and he can serve in volley. Chilich won in 2018. He has a very good serve as well. Feliciano Lopez won in 2017. Murray did win this event uh, four times, by the way, so he has very experience on this court. Not the greatest server, but still... Shout out to Dimitrov, by the way, who won this event in 2014. But to look at the runner-ups in some of these events, too, in the final. 
Kevin Anderson was a runner-up in 2015, big server. Rayonich was a runner-up in 2016, big server. Chillage, runner-up in 2017, big server. Point is, you have had a couple of big servers who have made deep runs here in the past, and I, I think with that being the case, you're looking at what could be one of these spots where Shelton serves very well, doesn't get broken that much, and maybe just starts becoming a tiebreaker fiend and finds a way through. But give me Musetti and give me uh, Shelton as my two picks for the fourth quarter. So once again, my picks for the quarter in uh, Queens here. I'm going to take Alcaraz in the first quarter at minus 138 by himself. I'm going to take Nori at plus 125 and Tiafo at plus 333 in the second quarter. Third quarter, give me Murray at plus 400 and give me Manorino at plus 700. And fourth quarter, Give me Musetti at plus 210 and give me Shelton at plus 450. Now it's time for the actual picks here for the uh, outrights to win the event. So going through the overall thoughts briefly, Alcaraz at plus 225, I get it. And I understand usually Alcaraz is cheaper, but it is on grass and I'm not sold on his form on grass. However, he does have a solid quarter because I mentioned before, I'm picking him anyway, because I really don't like anybody in his section. And I think Alcaraz could be in line for a very, very good run. Unless you think Dimitrov gives him some problems, because Dimitrov has won this event. But as you know, I cannot trust Dimitrov to save his life, or to save my life in general. So I'm not going to give out Dimitrov, but if you think that that's a problem, then you probably stay away from Alcaraz. For the most part, though, I do like the overall path. And Dimitrov has to face off against Rusevori, then uh, Sarundalo, while Alcaraz has Phils, who he should beat, and Leshika or Fakina. I think I got to be tempted by Alcaraz here, just for the price. Uh, now, Nori maybe can give him some problems in the semis, but still, the point is, I think his overall path is quite favorable. So I will make a case for Alcaraz at plus 225. I'm going to skip Fritz. Want nothing to do with him. He's been pretty underwhelming. Uh, Nori at plus 750. I am tempted by. I do think that's a good price. I know I'm not the biggest Nori guy, but he has been good here in the past. It's his home country, and I think that, once again, he can make a deep run. He did in 2021. He lost in the final to Berrettini in three sets. But I think that Nori, from what I saw in the first-round match against Kikmanovic, he definitely looked like he was pretty comfortable, and I am going to take him at plus 750. Murray at 12 to 1 is interesting because I've said for several years I don't think Murray's going to win another ATP event, but he has won this four times. He has been uh, dominating the Challenger grass circuit and he skipped the clay season uh, because he wanted to get some extra time for grass. So I think I'm going to skip Murray. If he wins it, I wouldn't be shocked, but at 12 to 1, for a guy that hasn't won ATP level tournament in several years, I don't think I can take it. So I think I'm going to stay away from Murray. I thought about it, but I think I'd rather take him to win the quarter at plus 400 than needing his old body to hold up for another couple of matches. So I'm going to skip Murray on that one. Is there anybody else I'm tempted by? Musetti I'm tempted by at 20 to 1. And in theory, Shelton I'm tempted by at 22 to 1. But it's really difficult because I think that Musetti is the better player, but Shelton's serve has been so good that I do think that you're looking at one of those perfect storms where his serve is going to cause him to hold all the time. And Musetti's got the one-handed backhand, which can be difficult to control. You might see a lot of free points there for Shelton. But I think if I had to pick some outrights in terms of where the value is going to be, then I got to make a case for Alcaraz, like I mentioned before. I see Nori at 9-1 to one on Bet365, so I'm going to adjust those odds. Give me Alcaraz at plus 225. 
Give me Nori at plus 900. And for the long shots here, I see Musetti at 25 to 1. And I see Shelton at 40 to 1. So massive price difference, roughly two times the price comparing BetMGM to Bet365. Once again, shop your lines. But at 25 to 1 for Musetti and 40 to 1 for Shelton. I got to give those two guys out. I just I just like the price for those two. I like the current form. So my outrights, once again, give me Alcaraz, give me Nori, give me Musetti, and give me Shelton. That's going to wrap it up for the actual outrights for both Hala and for London. Now it's time for the Lock and Dog picks for the actual matches in the next round. But until then, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. We're also brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is completely changing the game when it comes to shorts as they don't use a stiff restricting con uh, cotton like other regular shorts. Instead, they use a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a waist slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. On top of that, Bird Dogs also uses an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long and when you do end up ordering your pair of shorts from bird dog you also get a free yeti style tumbler with your order go to birddogs.com slash pool and enter promo code pool for a free yeti style tumbler with your order that's birddogs.com slash pool for a free yeti style tumbler you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you we're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also another great way to get down your favorite MLB and college baseball player props. So many ways to win over at Underdog, and it's active in so many states. Head over to UnderdogFantasy.com. Use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It's UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the outrights for Hala and for London. Now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks for the matches. And starting off with the lock, I am going to go to a matchup between Batista Agut and Altmaier. And for this matchup, I am going to go with Batista Agut minus the three games at minus 121. Simply put, Altmaier, I think it's insane that he's actually in this event because he retired in the middle of qualifying and got rewarded with a lucky loser spot, a spot. The point is he's still not in great form, and we saw him get killed by O'Connell last week in his only grass match this season. So I'm not sold on Altmaier's current form, both physically and just based on performance on grass. Meanwhile, Batista Agut has been good on grass his entire career, and I do think that's pretty telling that he is a minus 250 favorite against a guy in his home country. But Altmaier, for me, in this spot might be an auto fade. And I think that when you're looking at a guy who, including the retirement, is one and two on hardcore and on grass in the past couple of weeks, that tells me that he might be in line to get shelled by a consistent player like Batista Agut, keeps the ball in play, and he is not going to beat himself. So I do think that's going to be a problem for Altmaier, and I think physically he might wear down. Maybe he retires in the match. If he does, that would be heartbreaking for us. But I got to like the price here. Give me Batista Agut minus three games at minus 121 as my lock. And for my dog, I, th I really thought about Jari on the money line because I really am not a Paz guy. That was like plus 240. But I think I am going to go with a really, really small baby dog. In fact, it's the smallest dog possible because it is even money. I'm going to take Andy Murray on the money line against Diminor at plus 100. I think it's pretty fascinating that Diminor is 4-0 in the head-to-head -head 
lifetime. And yet Murray's favored. And a big reason is because of the fact that Murray has been dominant on the grass challenger circuit. And you're looking at Diminor, and he has been pretty mediocre. He went to three sets in each of the last two grass matches he was in. I thought about the over two and a half sets at plus 130. But the point is, I think Murray is just in better form. And some books actually have Murray as the favorite in this match. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be the most fun sweat you've ever had. But it's going to be a sweat. I can tell you that much. But I do think looking at the overall current form from both guys and the fact that Murray has won this event on several occasions that does tell me that you're looking at a potential spot for Murray to win this match and maybe make a deep run. Now, Diminor is 3-0 in the head-to-head. They faced off on Monte Carlo earlier this year, and Diminor won that one 6-1-6-3, and then Murray decided, why am I playing clay? This is a waste of my time, and he stopped doing it. But they faced off on hard court in the Laver Cup, and you had Diminor winning that one in three uh, you had a matchup in China in 2019. Diminor won that one in three, and there was a walkover in 2018. So technically, Diminor is 4-0, I guess. Really 3-0 in head-to-head and matchups, but they never played on grass. And Murray's best surface at this stage in his career is grass. So give me Murray to win uh, this match at plus money. I think he should be favored. I think he should be closer to like minus 120. Something small, but even money at one book when it's a favorite in another book is definitely a good opportunity, and I'm going to make the most of it. So once again, the lock and dogs picks for, picks for the show. The lock is going to be on Batista Goot minus three at minus 121, and my dog will be Andy Murray Moneyline against Diminor at even money. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Test Scaling Podcast. We're back once again later on this week to get into the same two tournaments, but later along, probably for the semis of each tournament, and hopefully our outrights for the quarters cash uh, by then, but find me on Twitter, Rush Show Radio. Find me on the NBA show. Find me on the NFL show, the WNBA show. Until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.